Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Anna. How are you? Good afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> All good. It's like three o'clock here. I've, I've had my morning. I've had my lunch. We've had a whole day. Oh, yeah. Well, good. I just had my coffee. Uh, it's probably going to kick in any time now. So, Rue, we got nominated for a Webby Award. Wow. That's fantastic. I'm really excited because I do like the Webby Awards. Every year when they come out, I kind of, you know, root around. I find some new things that are, that are really good. And I find the, the panel are pretty cool at picking out things that are going to be big in a couple of years or, or you know, big right now. And uh, yeah, it's it's an honor that that we got nominated. Oh, the, the Webby! It's very very cool. This is like the online version of the Oscars. Uh, there's there's like a trophy and everything else, and there a statue, uh, and it looks like serious business. This is this is super cool. I really want the shiny award. I do too. It's really shiny. Yeah, I have right here the MacWorld Editor's Choice Award for One Password Four, and this thing it looks like an Oscar. Uh, because it's made by the same company that makes the Oscars. It weighs like like 25 pounds. So I'm like really excited and hopeful that we win a Webby because then I can start a trophy shelf. <laughs> would you give an emotional speech? Oh, absolutely. I would get up on that stage and I would talk. Who would you thank? I could thank you and, and, and Matt. Oh, and I thank you. I would thank my team. I mean, that's why we would be winning this award. And I would, of course, thank our customers. What would get you crying? Oh, I wouldn't cry. No? No. That's what they all say. If you're not going to cry, I'll accept it. Yeah, you, you've got to cry. Oh, all right. I don't, I don't know that the Webbies is where you cry. But if it's the online version of the Oscars, then you've got to cry. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not appropriate to, but I totally think you just should. get up there and just just freak out. It would be fantastic. <laughs> Do a Jennifer Lawrence and trip up. I'll trip up the stairs. I'll yeah. I'll have Captain America help me because uh, he's such a gentleman. So, yeah, no, I I mean, <laughs> we are jumping way ahead to, <laughs> to actually winning the award. We, we need people to vote. So, Matt, where do people go if they want to vote for us in the Webby Awards? They can uh, head on over to our blog and we've got a post there about being nominated and uh, that'll take you right through to the the thing that we are voted for which is uh, building an app utility very cool so uh, blog.onepassword.com and we'll also put the link in the show notes as well oh excellent our wonderful listeners are going to help us win this award if we get the most votes from from our community we we win the award and i I think that our community is pretty pretty strong so you dear listener go to blog.onepassword.com find the Webby Award blog post. Click through to the Webby Awards and vote for us. Uh, your vote is what's going to get me to New York City and accepting <laughs> one of these shiny trophies where I may or may not cry on stage. So let's do it. Let's win. I can hear you welling up already. So I just have a message from Maria. Uh, that we actually have a, a shirt hanging around that we can send out. Oh, like like a swag giveaway? So we didn't get... Did, did the last one ever get shipped out? <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I did it. You personally shipped it. Oh, okay, so someone actually got it. Someone actually got it. They actually tweeted pictures of, of them with their stickers and stuff like this. Oh, nice. Oh, I missed that. This is a, a considerable amount higher than that. I don't think we can just do first past the post kind of tweet. I think we've got to do something pretty special for this. I think what we should have is is someone to come up with a phrase for the end of our next show. Oh, you want someone to come up with a what the phrase? Yeah. Come up with a phrase that is, you know, nonsensical and then tell us eventually what it means. 
<laughs> yeah, but no, this has to be a real thing. You can't just like make up some nonsense and try and get us to guess what we think you mean by it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look it up and make sure that it is a real kind of local phrase. Uh, but yeah, add, add the hashtag want the shirt. Oh, I've done it again. Want the shirt. I, I think that one's pretty good. You think that's a good, okay. Yeah, all right, good. Yeah, we'll just go with that. <laughs> is it just a shirt or is it a shirt plus other things? Yeah, I think there's, you know, we're going to throw in some stickers and some gift cards and stuff. Ooh. Nice. Gift cards to like Target or Walmart or No, something? two 1Password. <laughs> oh, 1Password gift cards. That's right. We have those. That makes sense. That's a much better idea. But yeah, it can be a phrase from anywhere around the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I ideally translate it into English as best possible. Yeah, ideally. Yeah, please don't make me try and read, you know, simplified Chinese because I won't. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Swedish phrase today. Oh, that's great. I can't wait. And uh, only Anna knows what it means. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Should we dive into some Watchtower Weekly? I, I think that's best. Hey, Matt, uh, any Facebook news this week? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they had a really bad one. And it was so bad that when it happened, we put out a blog post uh, kind of contradicting theirs. Um, they they told people that they didn't need to change the passwords and, and we felt differently. Yeah, I don't understand why. Like, are they doing that to save face? I just don't. I don't get it. I don't understand why that would be their stance. So I, I think, first of all, it's key to point out that like this was leaked internally that something had happened and it had happened for a long time and that these uh, 200 to 600 million passwords had been stored in like plain text on a internal server. And this is stretching back as far as 2012. And, and so as soon as the leak came out, then they decided to do something about it. Their hashing algorithm apparently is, you know, very good. And, and this is completely separate to that. This was, was done by an internal application that kind of copied that information out <laughs> and, and then it just sat there. So just kind of, you know, negating every, every need for all the other security that I guess they have around normal passwords. They decided that this, you know, that this information could sit in plain text. At what point does Facebook be like, you know what, guys, we're done. Like, just just shut it down. We'll start over. This is clearly not working. We're just, we got to reboot everything. So basically these weren't publicly leaked, right? These passwords and there was other information in there. That we know of. Yeah. And that they've, you know, they've said that they had no evidence of it being leaked externally and, and or, or anybody had abused the data. But there, there was like, you know, 20,000 employees that had access to this. About 2,000, you know, actually did. That's pretty terrible. And any one of those 20,000 employees could have taken this file home on the weekend and uploaded it to 4chan or whatever they do these days and, you know, gotten it out on the internet somehow. Just, I don't know, man. Like, yes, change your password. Change your Facebook password. Delete your Facebook account first. Like, that's probably a better better first step. (laughs) I I think just, yeah, the fact that they notified people uh, but didn't advise them to change their password. So they kind of came clean about it, but then said that no one needed to change their password. That's the disparate answer for me. 2,000 people had potentially seen this. Like, changing your password is like a basic level of protection at that point. Yeah. Oi, that's rough. Okay, I can't talk about Facebook anymore. I just can't. <laughs> I can't. Let's talk about uh, Asus and, and uh, them getting some spyware snuck into about 
a million of their of their PCs uh, via Poison software updates. Yeah, so this is the big one for me this week. They were apparently warned two months ago that employees were improperly publishing passwords in their GitHub repos. A single password found in an employee repo on the code sharing website GitHub allowed the researcher to access an email account used by internal developers and engineers. This is pretty bad. Yeah, that's rough, man. The fact that this led to, you know, one of the biggest malware into kind of a system that we've seen recently. The infected build of the utility was designed to spy on about 600 machines identified by, you know, network MAC addresses and stuff like that. So roughly a million ASOS built computers have been running a trojanized update utility with a few hundred being actively spied on with this. The potential is is huge here. Yeah, that means that this wasn't just like, uh, let's see what we can do and see, you know, see how many we could get to. But it they had like there were targets in mind for this, which is which means that there was something definitely nefarious going on. Yeah. And, and the reason why it stayed undetected for so long um, was partly because the trojanized updaters were actually signed with legitimate certificates. Yeah, I think the fact it just feels so shady just because people think that everything's running smoothly, right? And it's just updating as it normally should. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because once they've got once they've got those credentials, they can sort of do what they want with them. So I, I bet, you know, Aces have internal security uh, of an incredibly high level, I would I would imagine. And it's just, you know, it always comes down to have I got the basics right? When your employees are leaving passwords and stuff on, on GitHub repos, I think no is the answer there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh gosh. So let's let's talk about the big topic. Anna, do you wanna do you wanna take us through the big topic? Do you wanna teach us about Tor? I can give it a go. All right. I think you should. So do you guys know what Tor is? Uh it's the dark web, right? Mm, well that's the assumption, but we'll probably dive deeper into why that's not actually the case. It's where all the criminals hang out. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do some myth busting. So basically, Tor is a software which allows you to browse the internet anonymously. This is far more powerful than most browser settings, such as incognito mode or private window, as they often don't cover all bases. Um, so people often look to Tor, formerly known as the Onion Router. Using Tor's software will make it difficult, if not impossible, for any snoops to see your webmail, your search history, um, social media posts or other online activity. They also won't be able to tell which country you're in by analysing your IP address. So when you run Tor, online data collectors such as Google Ads won't be able to perform traffic analysis and gather data on your internet habits. Um, So overall, it's a pretty powerful tool. So it sounds like it's a VPN on steroids then. I would say that's a good analogy. Huh. All right. My experience of it is it's always really slow because obviously it's, you know, it's like doing things. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, redirecting you to a, to several places. Yeah. It's bouncing you off four satellites and then you, and then routing you through Siberia. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's basically to do with how it actually works. So Tor Network runs through computer servers of thousands of volunteers spread throughout the world. Um, Your data is then bundled into an encrypted packet when it enters the Tor Network. Then unlike normal internet connections, Tor strips away part of the packet's header, 
which is often some of the addressing information that could be used to learn things about the sender. In addition to this, Tor encrypts the rest of the addressing information called the packet wrapper. Uh, regular internet connections don't do this either. The modified and encrypted data packet is then routed through many of these servers called relays on the way to its final destination. So if you think about it like a person taking a roundabout path through a city to kind of try and shake an attacker, this is how these packets travel around the Tor network. So doing a very higgledy-piggledy, as I like to say, route around. <laughs> Each relay decrypts only enough data to know which relay the data came from and which relay uh, to send it to next. Um, the relay then rewraps the package in a new wrapper and sends it on. So it will only know the location, basically. Since each path is randomly generated and none of the relays keep records, it's nearly impossible for your activity to be traced back to you through Tor's kind of complex network. The layers of encrypted address information sent through Tor are reminiscent of an onion, uh, which is why it was formerly known as the onion router. So do you want to know something that you've already busted for me as a, as a you know, a kind of, I, I knew about Tor, possibly used it a bit, to like you know see what it's about but i didn't really know that much about it and i i certainly didn't know that like it uh, unwraps like layers and and only the previous layer knows about that layer and stuff i actually thought that this was uh funded by the onion the 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 comedy news network and that's why it was called the onion route are you serious i really did yeah wow it was funded by the american navy they kind of researched it and developed it are there websites that are only available through Tor, like that you can, that you only get to via Tor? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, basically, there there are a number of websites that use .onion, and um, it, it can either be an application that is available just via Tor, uh, or, you know, a, a, a generalized website. And, um, yeah, I think there are more than these than, than people would think. So I guess people really do this for, you know, extreme privacy. So how easy is it to actually use Tor like on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, well, despite the browser's complex system behind the scenes, it's actually pretty easy to use. You simply download and install Tor browser, then connect to the internet just like you would with any other browser. So anyone can use Tor. We typically only hear about it in relation to the, the dark web. Um which I think gives it a bit of a bad rap. But it turns out, like, downloading and installing Tor doesn't just turn you into a hardened criminal. It's It has practical uses for online security and anonymity. Yeah, definitely. I think it has kind of become synonymous with the dark web, and perhaps it, it shouldn't have done because many types of different people use Tor. So the military use it for secure communications and planning. Families use Tor to protect their children and preserve their privacy. And people like journalists use it to research stories and communicate securely with sources. So yeah, overall, anyone can use Tor. It's fascinating. I'm going to download it. I'm going to give it a shot and, and see see what's what uh, i think that that's probably the best the best way to try and figure out how to use it you can give us an update next week yeah i will so we have jack Rosider on the show uh the host of darknet diaries uh i'm not sure if you've ever listened to this podcast but like it's it's more kind of storytelling and uh it, it takes you through like some of the the 
big hacks that have happened and and major incidents in in cybersecurity and it and it tells you kind of true stories uh from the darker side of the internet and uh yeah it's it's really great so uh yeah thanks for coming on so what sparked your interest in the the dark web and motivated you to to start a podcast well i have to back up a minute i've been uh information security work for the last 10 years and so i've had this fascination with tech ever since growing up as a teenager and you know dug into the all the different corners of the internet since then and um i've been fascinated with internet culture and then the security portion of it so doing uh security engineering securing networks looking for threats in the network, I started seeing that there was quite a lot of interesting stuff going on in the dark net um, and, and looking into it to see what's what's out there. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it's always so interesting for me who understands a bit of the dark web and, and stuff like that, right? That That's immersed in it slightly. But then when you kind of hear the regular person that, that isn't immersed in this culture, listen to stories like this. It's always so surprising how non-mysterious the actual methods are, but how kind of glamorized they are in, in stories. It's, it's fascinating, really. Yeah, I think that's something that I think is, is so interesting to me as well, that it seems like, oh, hackers did this. That's some sort of, they did some sort of magical spell. They, they did something that we have no concept of. It's just above our, our skill. We just don't understand it. But really, when you open that box and you see, oh, wow, they just they just typed in my password, which actually was password one. <laughs> um, I guess that isn't magical. There's nothing special to this at all. Or they or they just looked up a tutorial on like how to, you know, hack printers or something like there, there really there really isn't a lot to some of these some of these big hacks that you, you see in the news. And I do like exploring those topics to kind of um, undo that myth of. You know, it's it's over my head. It's too complicated. It's magical. I've got my father listens to uh, my podcast and and understands the concepts in there and how hacking takes place. And some of my other o- older family members that really aren't good at computers at all. Um, they don't even have cell phones. Listen and and enjoy understanding that it's not actually that complicated to do this this hacking. Right. Yeah. It it takes away the the magic as soon as you say, you know, oh, how did that person get into that account? Well, your password is one of the top 500. So they just tried 500 of them. <laughs> so how how do you find the the true stories for your podcast? Do you have a particular favorite or memorable story that you've that you've uncovered from the ones that you found? I've been going to like security conferences like DEF CON for a long time, like seven years or so. And, you know, when I'm there, I hear stories, you know, not just on stage, somebody telling me a good story because that's what their talk is about. But then, you know, at the bar afterwards or or hanging out in the lobby or something, you just hear these unbelievable things. And over time, I just started thinking somebody needs to like <laughs> compile this into like some sort of show of some kind, because these are so good. We We should talk about this. Um, or listen to the story in a bigger way, you know, and there, and there's a lot of people talking about stuff in their blogs and things, but it, it gets missed. So when I started out, I, I went through a lot of the uh, conference talks that I thought were great. And since that person already gave a talk on this particular topic, they're more likely to be interested in talking to it, you know, saying about it on a podcast. So, but I did a lot of shoulder tapping. And since I've been in this area for a long time, I, I kind of know who's who. So who's the authors and who's the, who's the prominent speakers and 
and this kind of stuff and talk to them to see, you know what, I, I guarantee they all have stories, right? You've, you've been in this business for long enough. You've got some sort of crazy story, uh, that a, a hacker story of some kind that this is what happened. And so it's just a lot of shoulder tapping. And most people said, I, I have great stories, but I can't talk about it. And a lot of these people, you know, maybe were government related or something and, and they just, they're unable to. So it's just a matter of as sheer volume, really, of just keep on tapping on people's shoulders, slide into those DMs and, and ask people, like, uh, uh, is there anything that we can talk about openly? And eventually I get people who who do have stories that they're willing to share. Yeah, we, we have to hang out at Black Hat more, I think, because, uh, yeah, it seems like you have all the gossip, all the people talking to you, <laughs> all the horror stories. Oh, it's crazy. So last time I was at DEF CON, I was just uh, standing talking to a journalist, just meeting someone there. And then this kid, this, I think, probably 15-year-old kid, he comes up to me and he says, are you Jack? I said, yeah. He says, listen, I sell zero days at my school. I'm, I'm a high schooler. I sell zero days to the other students. I'm like, why would you just why would you come up to me and tell me this like this is so random and this journalist is like is this what happens like you just have people come up to you so yeah it, there is a lot of crazy gossip that i i get privy to and yeah that kid was under 18 so i'm like look if i want to like pursue this story i gotta talk to your parents first because this is not something i'm just gonna run with but yeah there's a uh, some crazy stuff that goes on there <laughs> And how do you know when you've got like a, a really good one when you're onto something? The the good ones, in my opinion, ha- first of all, have a lot of twists. So just when you think it's going in one direction, you're like, oh, I, I know what's going to happen here. You know, this is all leading up to something. And then twists. And it turns out to be something you never expected. Those ones I really like, you know, just it throws you off. But then other ones that just have so many different aspects and points to it are also really good because my show is 50 minutes long to talk about maybe a single hack that happened, right? So usually I can't just say, oh, there was this guy who hacked slot machines and he won $100,000, but then he got caught. Okay, great, but I need to know, like, how did he do it? And what was the trial like? And who were his accomplices? And what was some of the wins that he had? And what were those emotions, like going in and hacking that slot machine, that first hack, you know? And so it's really a good story if I can get a lot of it. Um, just just a little headline kind of feeling of a story is is not good enough to fit into fifty minutes, right? I, there's there needs to be a lot of stuff going on in the in the story for me to cover it. Are there any uh, kind of common themes in the stories that you cover? What I like to do is come up with um, unique motives for a hacker. So some hackers do it for money, some hackers do it for fame, some hackers do it for fun, and I like exploring new motives, right? Um, this last episode, hackers were just after nudes, nude photographs. That's there was their whole motive. It's just like let's find nudes. <laughs> and I'm like, that's your motive. Like of all the hacking motives, like that's all you want to do is just get more nude photos. Like, isn't there enough nude photos already on the internet? But that's what you're gonna hack into. <laughs> and so they were hacking into to phones to get this. And that that to me is just it's fascinating to hear. It's not what you think of just like everyone's after money or just having a motive at all, I think is interesting, you know, because a lot of times we have this faceless hacker that we don't know why they did this. And um, if we can if we can figure it out, if we can get into their minds a little bit and see exactly what their motives are, I think that's really fascinating. Yeah. And it's never covered like that in the media, really, either. They always seem to be, you know, a faceless guy in a hoodie arched over a computer. And there's never really like the 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 explanation of drive there. It's always just like, you know, this happened. Yeah. And I think understanding the enemy, right? Getting in the enemy's head, because I'm I'm a defender. So that's to me as the enemy as a hacker is really going to help you secure your network better, knowing why they're doing what they're doing 
and what kind of people they are. You know, sometimes they're just kind of a, a spray and pray. Sometimes they're very targeted. Sometimes they're, they're nation state level, very sophisticated, right? So knowing like who your enemy is and what their motives are goes a long way to define your network. But yeah, I just wanted to comment on something else you were saying there about the media. Uh, I think that the news is the, is the first draft of history, right? We, we, don't, we don't always get it right. When, when there's breaking news. We don't know all the names. We don't know all the details. And, and then this is why I do my show is to go back years later once we do know all the details and everything is all settled down, then let's revisit this to see what, what policies changed, what impact was there, who got arrested for this, what was their motives. You know? And it's only after all that's done that we can actually go and explore that stuff. I think people appreciate this part of the show is to go back and, and really explore that incident that everyone heard about six years ago. But now that we know everything, we can, we can put all the pieces together. Let's, let's do that in more of a documentary style. And, and it's, it gives you a lot more insight into that certain situation. I really like that this is the way kind of society is going at the moment. You know, we have big Netflix documentaries on, on cases that gained very little traction years ago. And it kind of makes... I don't know, fascinating real world topics. I think it just helps educate on the, on the future as well of like, this was this person's motivation into doing this and this is the outcome and, and this happened and that helps people protect themselves better in the future. Yeah. And the thing that's fascinating to me is like Stuxnet, in my opinion, everyone has heard of Stuxnet and the same with the uh, nude celebrities, the Celebgate. Um, I thought that, you know, just the entire world understands this, but I was asked to do these episodes and I'm so surprised that when I did put them out, so many people said that they've never heard of this incident ever. And I'm like, what rock do you live under? But the thing is, is that it's really fun to, to reach these new people. When are they going to come across this now, right? This is, you know, years, Stuxnet was 2009. Like, it's not like it's going to like show up in their social media or newsfeed, you know, this time. So, so I'm reaching these people that they missed it that time around. And that is really powerful as well. I mean, if you're the first time you're hearing about a big story like that, it's, it's interesting to hear it unravel in that sort of way. So is there anything that kind of shocks you anymore when it comes to a, a hack or, or the dark web in general? So the dark web is really scary to me still. There's so many times where I'm, I walk very slowly you know, <laughs> and when I get to a certain like place, I'm just like, okay, that's as far as I can go. And I, I run out of there. I'm working with a couple new writers. Um, I just started bringing some, some help onto the podcast. I really haven't used them yet, but I'm, I'm, you know, playing with, with using some new writers and, and they're fearless when it comes to looking at this. So, I'm, so this is going to be good for them to just go out there and get some really crazy stories. But like, you know, hurting other people, I think is, is something that is, Anything gore related is something that's really hard for me to to deal with. And that happens a lot on the dark web. Uh, just really scary things that humans do to other humans. So that stuff is definitely shocking to me. I just don't, I can't, I can't comprehend like another human is doing this. But I'm always so oblivious to those parts of the web, I think. I don't know. I, I live quite a, a narrow existence on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm thankful for it most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'll be uncovering some of those stories here. Um yeah, there's some there's some really bad ones. That's just really hard for me to research because as I'm digging into it, I'm just like, no, no, this is not. How am I gonna? Because like, when I when I edit things, I have to listen to it like 20 times, right? And I and I'm gonna have to hear <laughs> some really bad stuff over and over and over. <laughs> and I, some of these other true crime uh, podcasters, I don't know how they listen to some of the really gory bits like over and over as they're editing. One of the podcasts I'm listening to at the moment is on the Zodiac Killer, and um, I. 
I, I think I enjoy it because, um, you know, they're talking about something really gross and they're talking about like, you know, oh, this slasher came in, but then they just break into a Casper mattress advert. <laughs> the darkness is just instantly gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Where can people find more information about you? If anyone wants to uh, listen to the podcast, it's called Darknet Diaries. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Jack. No, I'm just really happy to be here. Um, this has been great. So, Anna, yep. just closing the show down here, I just have a question. Uh, what the phrase? So, to shit in the blue locker. Mm, I know exactly what this is. Really? I do. I didn't want to spoil it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, this is when you take a dump in a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. Yeah, that's it. Done. So, Matt, do you have any idea what this means? I think this is going to be something about not using the fine china. What? Like, not, not using rich people like rich you know you get your best sunday china out is it something like that not in the slightest <laughs> okay well i took a stab in the dark and you know it, it didn't i mean what else could this mean okay to sh in the blue locker um, i feel like we've got to do so much bleeping here okay so it's gonna be all right so so it's gonna be like you've screwed something up like this means like you've screwed something up so is this basically like like you've made a terrible mistake Rue is is onto something here it does mean that you've made a mess of things basically you've gone too far <laughs> so the swedes are pretty casual when it comes to swearing but this simply means you've gone too far and it's time to simmer down <sighs> fantastic i love it I'm going to try and use this. Okay. I feel like we got sidetracked a million times. Uh, we, we made a lot of unusable comments. Uh, most of them probably haven't made them in. But uh, yeah, let's call that a wrap. Bye, guys. Bye. Love you, love you Rue. Rue. Oh, love you too, Matt. Love you too, Anna. 